Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. We've been talking about This Is Us in this series about the Holy Spirit. We looked at who the Holy Spirit was, how he's active in our life, and then we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is the third part of God. He is the Godhead. He's one part of it. You have the Father, the Son, and the... There you go. And so then you have uh, what Derek talked about last week, prophecy in our life and what that looks like. And I want to talk about how do we get to the place of having these gifts of the Spirit? What does that look like in our life? Is it scary? Is it weird? Does it have to be goofy? What is it? What does it really look like biblically? And so where I want to start is biblically with you this morning. And so I have a lot of scripture. This is going to be a little heavy on the scripture side this morning. So if you have a Bible or an app, uh, make sure you have it out right now. We'll put it up on the screen if you don't. But I'm going to have to go through it here kind of quick this morning. But we see in Joel chapter 2, this prophecy in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out in the last days, okay? Well, the Holy Spirit was poured out the day of Pentecost. All the day of Pentecost is, don't, it's not like a freaky word or, oh, Pentecost, oh, you're one of those Pentecostal churches. Yes, we are. What does that mean? Pentecost, well, does that mean like you're weird and people are swinging from the chandeliers? And it's, no, that's not what it means. All Pentecost means is 50 days after Jesus, okay, after Jesus, 50 days after his death and resurrection, after what we celebrate next weekend, 50 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit to be the counselor on our behalf, to be the comforter, the counselor that walks with us in our life every single day. And so don't be afraid of Pentecost. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. It just means 50. And Pentecost was the start of the church. This was like the greatest church planting movement that ever happened. It was a display of how God's Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit relates to you and me today. It's real. It's not something that we just talk about and we say, well, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of us have these backgrounds, and it's just become this religious saying for us. Rather than a personal relationship and an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to show you what that looks like, how to receive that, and how we operate in that. So open up to Acts chapter 19 with me. Acts chapter 19, this takes place, just so you know, Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. So much history in the book of Acts. This is actually 30 to 40 years after the day of Pentecost, okay? So about 90 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. If you're with me, say yeah. Okay, so now the church is empowered. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes for all that believe, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, but for anybody. You see this massive church planting movement in these coastal areas across the Atlantic from us and uh, in a country that we know is modern-day Turkey, okay? So they went from Ephesus, they went from Corinth, they went from all these different places. And you see right here in Acts chapter 19, um, the Holy Spirit, they have a question about. And I love this question. I asked this four weeks ago. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some what? He found some disciples. And he asked them. These were disciples. I want you to catch this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them then. He said, well, what baptism did you receive then? In Scripture... And here's going to be a stretch for so many of you today. So I want you to stay with me, and I want to encourage you to look to your word. 
There's three different baptisms in Scripture. There's three different ways we look at baptism. Every single one of them has to do with immersion. Immersion, so when we water baptize, we put somebody underneath the water, and we bring them up as a demonstration of their death and resurrection with Christ. It doesn't save, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's three different applications of these three different baptisms for our life. And all of them are for you, and yet all three of these baptisms stand separately. They're not combined. They're three different separate things. And I want you to see that in Scripture this morning. So the first baptism is this. The first baptism is what's known as the baptism of salvation. Well, what is that? When you get saved, when you give your life to Christ, did you do it on your own, or did God play a part in bringing him to you, or you to him. He, he played a part in that, didn't he? Okay, so that's known as the first baptism. When you get saved, you are baptized into Jesus. You're baptized into a body of believers. And so here in 1 Corinthians, we'll get to in just a moment, we are all baptized by one spirit into Jesus. It's a little confusing. Stay with me. Let me show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. The spirit here, the the language is that it baptized you into Jesus, not a water baptism. Some of you have to get out of your mind right now during this, this talk this morning that when I say baptism, I'm not talking water baptism. I'm talking three different ones. So this first one in Jesus has nothing to do with water baptism. Well, does it have to do with infant baptism? No, it doesn't have to do with that either. This has to do with you coming to Christ. Now, if you haven't yet, you haven't experienced the first one, and we'll give you that opportunity here in a little bit. No one can be drawn to Christ without the Holy Spirit. You cannot. You cannot do it on your own. My story, part of it, is I was drawn to Christ by this lovely woman down here. We dated in high school, and I wanted to be with her, but she was one of those crazy Christians. Some of you are those crazy Christians. I'm one of those now. And she invited me to church, and I said, all right, I'll go, thinking, this is great. I'm going on a date to church, and then we're going to go hang out, and we're going out to dinner to Wendy's, baby, uh, you know? And uh, that was our date night. I didn't know that what was really happening in and through our relationship was I was getting an even better relationship than her and I have, and that was one with the living Savior that so incredibly loves you. But it doesn't happen on your own. That's part of the first baptism. Galatians chapter 3 We'll put it up there. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture here this morning. Verses 26 and 27. Paul wrote this. He said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, this is not water baptism, have clothed yourself with Christ. Well, what baptism does he prefer to? It's the baptism of salvation. Not water, but when you're saved. The first people right here to ever experience this one were these disciples. Okay? Jesus lived his life. He was resurrected. And then you know what happened after he was resurrected? What did he do after the resurrection? I love Easter, but I love the next 40 days because if I was alive when Jesus resurrected, I would want to be there because for the next 40 days, Jesus showed up. I don't know about you, but that'd be a little scary. Jesus died, resurrected, and now he just shows up. Check this out. This is so cool. He comes back to build the faith of the disciples, and he gives them these final instructions. And I don't know about you, but the Bible is funny, man. It's just funny. Look at this. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, on the evening of the first day of the week, so this is after Jesus' resurrection, okay, when the disciples were together with the doors, with the doors locked 
for fear of the Jewish leaders, I, I love this, Jesus came and stood among them. Boom! He's in the room. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, okay, I believe. I mean, like, really? What just took place? What just happened? Who are you? What's going on? And he says this, and this is not some religious saying that you say to a pastor and you say back to him. He says, peace be with you. Not because, oh, peace be with you. No, no, no. This was like, peace be with you. You ain't going to die, bro. Okay. Okay. I'm li- you got my attention. And then verse 20 says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? He wanted to show his disciples it was him. Look at guys, it's me. Don't, don't freak out. It's okay. The disciples then were overjoyed after they all, you know, wet themselves when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said to them a second time, just to be sure, like, hey, you guys, it's okay. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Here it comes. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is why all pastors carry Eltoids. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. No, here's what took place. I want you to catch something that's going to really tick some of you off that have been in the church a long time. The doors are locked. Jesus is there. He says, I've got a job for you guys to do. But he says, you don't have the power to do it yet. And he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. This is not known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit right here. They were not saved yet, in my opinion. Here's why I believe this. Because the penalty for sins had not yet been paid. They couldn't have been saved. It was impossible biblically. They received this first baptism right here by the power of the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them. Don't listen to me. Look to your scripture. When you get saved, you receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you that have have Pentecostal background, just stay with me for a moment. The Gospels, what I love, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts is a part of Luke, actually. Luke wrote the book of Acts. They all have... They all have the same stories, but from their perspectives. In fact, if you come two weeks from tonight to the intro dinner, you know, I like to tell all the details of a story. Like, I I like to tell you where I was at, you know, and my wife's like, just tell the nuts and bolts. But I'm like, man, we were at, like, Market Barbecue, and I had the the rack of ribs, and it's, it's details that just don't even matter, but they matter to me. All right. But that's what's cool. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell the story from their own perspective. And so if you say, well, the Bible's just one book, it's not. It's this many different applications of their story that we get to read. And so here's the same story. I want to give it to you in two different ways. The same story we just read, Luke chapter 24, verses 49. And if you want to you know, make sure I'm speaking truth here, you can read chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Same story in verse 49, but it hasn't happened yet, okay? They hadn't received. They hadn't been fully baptized with Jesus. It hadn't happened. They hadn't had their salvation experience. Check this out in the book of Acts. Again, same story. Now this is future tense, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, the same occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. This is a little different than we read in the book of Acts, chapter 1 verse 8, where he says, go into all the world, okay? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, so they hadn't been yet, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is that? I can't wait to share. Same story. Luke right here. 
They thought they already were. They thought they already had it. They already did. They had the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate a separate experience that I want you to see this morning. Being filled with the Spirit, it's kind of like this. It, it's kind of like taking this, uh, this bottle of water, and if you picture it being empty, when we say yes to Jesus, what Jesus does is it says he's the living water. He fills us up, okay? And so basically it's filling this whole bottle up to the brim with that living water. That is the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the first baptism, the baptism of Jesus. If you're with me, say yeah. Nice job, everybody. It's a lot of content, all right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about in just a couple minutes, that's basically like taking this water after it's been filled and putting it into the ocean, okay? There's a huge difference, a huge difference. The second baptism, everybody say second, is the water baptism. Now, every year in July, we have a water baptism where we go out to Twin Lakes here, and we we say, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've experienced the first baptism, Come have the second one. Come have the second one. This is the water baptism. Now, water baptism does not save you. Well, Pastor Chris, I was baptized as an infant. I'm all good. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> I don't want to take anything against your baptism, but that was not your choice. That was your parents' choice. I was baptized as an infant. After I had this first baptism of Jesus, then I had the second one where I said, yes, I want to be baptized, and I was baptized in a pool behind someone's house in their yard, Okay. The second water baptism, or the water baptism, does not save, okay? Matthew chapter 29, verse 19, it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, this is the water baptism, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a separate experience. Jesus wants to make sure that you realize you cannot earn salvation. I mean, come on, how good would you have to be? What's the test? I think we'd all fail it. All right? We'd all fail it. Here's the third baptism. This is where I want to camp out for the remainder of our time. The third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it gets confusing. This is where I'm going to challenge you this morning. This is where I want you to ask God to speak to you right now. Because based on your traditions or based on the crazy ways this has been packaged or the weird ways that this has looked, this freaks a lot of people out, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of you right now are going to say, you know what? I'm good with that first baptism, like knowing Jesus. Don't need to be water baptized. Don't need the spirit baptism. And I want to say to all of you, if that's you, you're right. You don't need water baptism, and you don't need spirit baptism to have eternal life. But if you want to live the life that God has designed for you, then I'm asking you to look at these two. Somebody agrees with me out there. So I hope you do as well. Don't let it freak you out. There's nothing to be afraid of of God. Do you realize that God will give you nothing but good in your life? That's what he wants. Well, why do bad things happen? I love Billy Graham's answer to that question. You know what Billy Graham said when he was asked why do bad things happen? Three words. That's all he said. He said, I don't know. There you go. All right. Look at scripture here. Philip, one of the first evangelists of the early church, he goes down to this city and he tells people about Jesus. Check this out. One of the first evangelists. Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. That's Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed. Saw the what he performed? I want you to remember that. They all paid close attention to what he said. If you see signs, you're paying close attention because it became real when you see those signs. For with shrieks, impure or demonic spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. 
I don't know about you, but we're about to have a church service up in here. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's, that is the church. That's the church. A church that just, that does not demonstrate God's power is not the church. The church needs to demonstrate who God is through signs and through wonders. I don't want to get up here and just share. I want you to see it demonstrated. I want you to see that it's real in your life. I want you to see that it's real in the lives of those that don't have that first baptism that are crying out for help because every single one of us was there someday. And they're going, please, please, I need that first baptism. They're crying for it. And you might be the only Jesus that they ever know. Come on, somebody. You know it's supposed to get your attention? Not the pastor, not a great message, not great worship, but a great God. A God who so desperately loves his people. That's what should pack out the church, not the greatest light show. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. I like lights, don't get me wrong, but it should be the power of God, right? But when they believe, verse 12, but when they what? Believed, first baptism, right? Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. That's the water baptism. That's the second one. Both men and women. You realize here it doesn't say children because it, you have to believe before you're baptized. All right? This is the first and second baptism here. We read on here. You can read verse 13 if you want. For time, I'm going to go to verse 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard what Philip was doing, that's my own take there, that Samaria had accepted the word of God, what did they do? They sent, this might not seem that big of a deal in your Bible, but they sent Peter and John to Samaria. You know what they did? They said, look what Philip was doing. Philip's kind of like the minor guy. Peter and John, they're like the big dogs. Like, we got to send the big dogs in. So they sent them to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might what? Receive the separate incident. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, they thought they already had it. They thought, well, we already got it. We're good. No, no, they didn't have it yet. They were infilled when they gave their life to Christ. And I want to say this. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not about a hoo-hoo. It's not about, well, are you ordained? Are you in the church? It's not, well, I've, I've come this far. In fact, you don't even need to be water baptized to have the third baptism. Okay? You don't need that. It's not a, it's not a, oh, okay, well, I, I'm good enough. I've got all these gifts. Look at me. No. The Holy Spirit is not a gentleman to the creation. He's a violent, gracious God that wants you to have all the gifts displayed on his behalf. That's who he is. That's who he is. And the devil has been a master at scaring people away from something that is not spooky and not weird. It's not. He's scared some of you. He's scared me before. I've seen the Holy Spirit operate in a way that I don't know that it was the Holy Spirit. I think it was flesh. And I think I want what the Holy Spirit wants for me. In fact, look at this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, for these are the three that testify. You see all three baptisms right here. You see the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three are in agreement. Now, if you want to get really technical, for those of you that like deep theology, like I mean, I'm like just nerdy theologically and biblically. You see these three baptisms all the way, even into the Old Testament. You saw this in the tabernacle when they showed up. You had to first go through a brazen altar that was bronze and it was filled with blood before you could even enter into the tabernacle. That was the first baptism. That was the baptism of blood or the sacrifice of Jesus that represented that in the Old Testament. For those of you that like theology, you like this. The second one was they had to go through 
the, um, they had to, this bowl that they had to wash. They had to purify themselves, the priest did, before they entered into the gates or even into the temple or the tabernacle. When they brought in the Ark of the Covenant, they had to do these two things. And then when they got in there, there was this candle filled with oil, and there was actually seven candles if you read in the Old Testament. And if you read in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, those seven candles actually represented the Holy Spirit. You see all three of them throughout Scripture, through the whole book, from end to end, over and over. So why do you need this third baptism? You don't need it for salvation. I want to say that first and clear. And I think we've said that clearly this morning. But God designed you to live a spirit-led life. God never designed the church to live out of its own power. Never. God designed you to live a spirit-empowered life with gifts, with signs, with wonders. Why? Because the job he's giving you, if you claim to be a Christ follower, is a tough one. Because he's called you to change the world, not just the pastor. He's called you to change the world and to be a world changer with your testimony and your life and everything that you demonstrate. Can't do it on your own, bro. Can't do it on your own, sis. I've tried. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is it separate then? I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is separate from our salvation experience and water baptism is separate because God did not want anything attached to salvation. Salvation is everything he did. Me saying I want to be water baptized or baptized in the Holy Spirit is what I do saying I want that. There's nothing nothing attached. I don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to receive Christ. I don't have to be water baptized to receive Christ. People get that confused. So I dare you this morning to have this prayer. I dare you to pray this with me, that God, whatever you have for me is good and real. Not spooky, not weird. Nothing bad comes from you. And without condition, Lord, I covet every gift you have for me. I dare you to pray that. You know, I was 17 years old. Heather and I were dating. I, and uh, she brought me, or I brought her to this church. It's a Lutheran church in East Bethel. And uh, I showed up there. And thinking it was just going to be another night, you know, we, we'd get into the fellowship hall and, you know, we, we ate Cool Ranch Doritos together. It was wonderful. See, I love those details. And uh, Cool Ranch Doritos, man, come on, they're good. And uh, we go back into the sanctuary and they have a, uh, those uh, kneelers on their pews. You ever been in a church that has those kneelers that you kneel down and uh, put it down? And I knelt down and I started praying and I said, God, here's the deal. I was faking it till I made it with her. I wasn't living for Christ. I had I, I had no desire for Jesus. I had a desire for her, but I had to go through Jesus to get to her. It wasn't fair. And uh, Jesus got a hold of me during that time. I blame him for me up here today. And uh, during that time, what I saw happen was I saw the miraculous even that night. And uh, if you want to hear every detail, I'll share with you. But I'm not going to share every detail from here because my experience is too important for you to tell me it didn't happen. And that night, I walked up to that altar, and I got, I'll share one part of the story, and I got up there, and a whole bunch of my friends from high school were up there, and I was the goofy kid, man. I was just the fun-loving, easy-going guy, and uh, everybody knew that I was the drama geek, loved it. And I got up there, and I sat, and Heather peeks over me, and she says, you okay? I said, I think so. I said, I feel weird. And she said, well, what did you pray? And I said, well, while I was kneeling down there, I just asked God, I said, God, if you're real, show me. Otherwise, I'll never go to a church again the rest of my life. 
He showed me he was real in so many ways. If you want to hear him, I'll share. But I'll share one way. She said, that's all I prayed. That was it. She said, do you know how long you were praying for? I said, not very long. I said, man, you guys you guys are horrible Christians. If that's all I prayed, you're already up here after your prayer. You, you pray lame prayers. And, and I got up there and she said, you were praying for like 20, 30 minutes. And I said, no, I wasn't. There's no way. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it was a miracle. I, I can't explain what took place. I'm not here to try to explain it to you. But during that time, God showed me he was real. That night I received what's known as a prayer language. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I saw my life in a different way. The next morning I woke up, my mom, who had fallen away from the Lord, came to me and said, she calls me Christopher. Christopher, I had three dreams about you last night. And I said, what? She said, all of them were you preaching in front of people. She saw this. I didn't see this. I wanted to be a starving artist on Broadway. The Holy Spirit, if you let him, he will impact you. And I pray to God that I've had the ability to walk alongside some of you and see God impact your life. That's, that's what I want my life to be about. I want to give you four last things. Can you stay with me just a couple more minutes? If you're willing to do that, say yeah. If not, you're welcome to, to head out. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Four ways, real simple. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Number one, you have to remove the barriers. Don't let doctrinal crap hang you up. Don't let it hang you up. I don't want you to even listen to it. I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. Go to your Bible. Get a blank sheet of paper this afternoon. Grab your Bible. Grab the book of Acts. Read it through cover to cover and write down. Is what Pastor Chris saying? Is that is that is that lining up? Is he crazy? Was the you know, is what I believed crazy? Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe your hang up is you got a sin issue, something you can't deal with. If you draw on a line in the sand and said, God, I'm good to your Holy Spirit about here, but I'm scared after that. Or if you said, God, I got this sin issue and I'm not willing to let you deal with it. I know what the Bible says, but I'm not willing to live it out yet. Then you're basically saying, God, I'm good up to this point. I believe God wants you so desperately more today. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's all three baptisms right there. It's a beautiful scripture. The second, how do you receive it after removing the barriers? You request the gift of the Holy Spirit. So after you repent, Lord, forgive me for whatever that sin is. God, forgive me for the doctrinal hangups because I haven't allowed you to move in my life the way that you can and should. Then second is request the gift. Just ask him. Just pray. Say, God, I want all that you have for all of me. God, if it's for me, bring it on. I dare you to pray that. I covet the gifts of the Spirit that I don't have or operate in. I want to operate in them all. I don't want just a prayer language. I don't want to just learn to prophesy or pray for somebody or have a gift of faith. I want them all. I want the gift of miracles. I want I want to see everything happen. I, I just want everything that God absolutely has. And I'm not saying I want to be goofy. I don't. I, I'm not into the goofiness. You know what I'm into? I'm into seeing the Holy Spirit change lives. That's what I'm about. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says, If you then, though you are evil, talking about all of us, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He wants us to ask. Number three, receive the Holy Spirit by faith. 
the Holy Spirit will try to bring you outside of a realm of what you have. Your natural can't figure it out. doesn't work that way. You're stepping beyond your own control into a realm of the Holy Spirit that will change your life if you let Him. And only good things come from Him. Check this out. I shared this four weeks ago, and I want to show you in Scripture where this is at. Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 3 through 5. As a man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Stop there. Some of you have been like, okay, I'm going to touch the Holy Spirit a little bit. Just a little. Then he goes on. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. There's a prophecy that Ezekiel had, and I'll tell you what it meant in just a moment. But some of you are knee deep going, I've come to church for a while. I'm getting to know my Bible a little bit. This isn't scaring me as much as it used to. I'm, I'm okay, but I still know where the edge of edge of the river is. I can go back. I'm not fully immersed yet. Remember, immersion's baptism. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to my waist. Kept going. He measured off another thousand. Check this out. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to give him control. You have to give up your control. Giving up your rights for his. You might say, well, that's kind of scary. It is at first, but then you're along for the ride. You're along for the journey, the twists and the turns that come with life. He's got you. He'll hold you. He'll be with you. In fact, if you read on this whole prophecy about maybe you're familiar with the verse that says, the spirit, the river is teeming with life. Talking about the spirit of God. That's this river in which Ezekiel speaks of. Jump in. The last one is this, number three. Relate to him every day. Relate to the Holy Spirit every day. See, God invites. He invites us to make this part of our life. It's not weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. He's your best friend. You ever thought about that? He's your best friend. I'll prove it to you in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God. Here it is. The what of the Holy Spirit? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. You see, the Holy Spirit provides comfort to those who hurt. The Holy Spirit provides conviction to the sinner. The Holy Spirit provides guidance to the lost. The Holy Spirit provides shelter to the lonely. The Holy Spirit provides power to the powerless. The Holy Spirit provides purpose. And so will you allow the Holy Spirit to impact your life? Here's what I want to do this morning as we bring this into a close. If you're saying this morning, I want and I desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, here's what I want to do right now. If that's you or you're saying, Jesus, I want you, and you haven't experienced that first baptism, that's either one or three. That's what I want to ask you to do right now is just stand where you're at. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you want the first baptism of Jesus, stand where you're at right now. Go ahead. Stand up where you're at. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in you right now. That voice that's been speaking to you is not me, it's him. That's what I want to invite everybody else. Those people that you're around, will you stand up? Would you just put a hand on their shoulder? And let's support them. Let's pray together. God, first of all, this morning, we pray 
for any that say, I want to receive you, Jesus, that we know if we repent and believe, we're baptized in Jesus. We receive eternal life with no condition other than the fact of accepting you. And we believe in you this morning, Jesus. We thank you. God, we thank you today, the day we celebrate Palm Sunday, that you came in, Lord, and people worshiped you. And then a week later, we crucified you because you wanted us to have forgiveness of sins. We're so grateful that you give that to us just by believing. And second, this morning, again, believe this by faith this morning. Believe this by faith. Father, for those this morning that are seeking a baptism in your Holy Spirit, it says to lay on hands and we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This morning, those that said yes to you, with those family, friends, visitors all the way around that are supporting them right now, would you fill them with your baptism of the Spirit? Would you just take over control in their life and give them the control, Lord, that only you offer? allowing them to live out their purpose and their call. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would see you demonstrated in their life today and this week to come in so many ways. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives this morning. We worship you. Pray this in Jesus. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.